This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey everybody, welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast where one of Australia's foremost political nobodies Food. serves you up bite-sized chunks of Australia. I haven't even done the intro yet. <laughs> It's a comedy podcast, Lefty. Well, I mean, it's a news podcast, occasionally with a bit of comedy, attempts at comedy. Normally, I have my co-host Noon with me. My name is Zach Lesnack, if um, if you're new to the show. Noon is off sick this week. He's been struck down. So um, in his place, I have with me Holly, who is host of her own podcast Ooh. every second weekend, uh, and also co-host of My Life. True. Gross, but true. I am your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with Noon sort of out of the picture so suddenly, uh, Holly has very graciously agreed to step in and be um, and, and co-pilot this week. So thanks very much for coming on the show, bub. I am nothing if not gracious. I, that's, I always say so. Mm. That's what I tell people. And I mean, I mostly get my news from this podcast. So this is really just... Uh, Cutting out the middleman. <laughs> yeah, you, you you're getting it a day before everybody else. Yes. Um. Yeah. So you know, this podcast sh- isn't usually kind of unidirectional. You know, like- <laughs> uh, I know very little. Uh, I mean, I I I pay attention to the news, but as I said, I mostly hear it from these guys. That's uh my brand of very lazy feminism is making my boyfriend tell me what the news is, <laughs> and um. I think that's fine. Yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to flag, um, you know, it might sound a bit mansplaining because I did all of the research for this episode. While I was shopping at Northland with my friend. <laughs> oh, that, is really, that is literally how it went down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so if it sounds like I'm talking a lot, it's because that, that, that's why. I am letting him. I, yeah, I, I, I can send to I'm this. doing it with permission. Uh, okay, uh, what else do we do in the intro? We thank our patrons. We have a new, some new patrons this week, several new patrons. I want to send a, uh, a big shout-out to Summer, Harper Rowe, Simon Burnett, and also Simon, no last name provided. Thank you uh, so much for signing up to our Patreon. And uh, we didn't haven't talked about this on the show yet, but we have just made some, like, uh, technical changes to our Patreon, where it's now in mm. US. Uh, sorry, it's now in Australian dollars. It used to be in US dollars. They recently added the option to do it in Australian dollars. It saves transaction fees and also means that you know kind of more accurately how much you're paying. So now, for I don't even have to say for one US dollar a month, I can say one dollar a month. Sign up to our Patreon monthly bonus episodes. Uh, quick cue, Zach. Mm. For those of us who signed up. Uh, at you know to the USD US dollar mm. donation amount do we have to go in and go like excuse me I would like to change this to a AUD yes good good prompt bub thank you um <laughs> on already all over the uh, podcast admin logistics yeah um so yeah we we encourage you if you if you signed up with the US dollar amount to go back and change to Australian dollars the new tier amounts aside the it's we're keeping it at one dollar 
for the um, like lowest level. The mid level, which was five US dollars, is now six dollars ninety Australian. Sixty-nine, dude. Thank you. And uh, the uh, the third tier, which was ten US dollars, is now thirteen Australian dollars and twelve Australian cents, which is also on theme. Uh, cool. And yeah, but before we get into the show, the last thing I wanted to mention is that Noon and I were planning to do uh, kind of a, a longish chat about uh, Israel Palestine this week, and specifically mm. the uh, reporting or lack thereof um, by the Australian media and the complete failure of a political response from the Australian political establishment. Uh, Shock but, twist there. Yes, surprising no one. But um, that's kind of Noon's home turf, so mm-hmm. we're going to park that conversation for this week. But I just wanted to point out, you know, it's obviously, that's really what I've been, all, almost all my news consumption this week has been about that. So, Yeah, for once I was paying attention to the news, but that was, that's kind of, yeah, that's it. Yeah, solidarity with the peace, uh, with the people of, of Palestine, and we'll um, probably, Noon and I will chat about that next week, hopefully. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get into our entree. So, yum yum. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true. Yuck yuck. Uh, yeah, it's probably close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just wanted to give a quick update on the NDIS. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, which you know, NDIS good. Oh yeah. Things sorry. the government that was- <laughs> is doing bad. Yeah. Um. So been, been kind of following uh the development of the this uh, planned introduction of independent assessments um, which is something that yeah we yeah we've been we've been following it on the show for a while um and i mentioned a few episodes ago that the rollout of the independent assessments was paused um and i think i put that in the positivity corner um and it looks like it wasn't the only uh, one um yeah. here's a quote from the guardian linda reynolds who is the minister in charge of the ndas has confirmed the government will proceed with some form of independent assessments for the National Disability Insurance Scheme after announcing a pause that raised advocates' hopes the policy could be scrapped. Um, quickie, Linda Reynolds is Brittany Higgins' ex-boss. Yes, that's right. right. Cool. Yeah, she's fully recovered from, uh, from, her... from Brittany Higgins' ordeal. Yeah. Um, and, and back in Parliament. <laughs> Brittany Higgins-itis. Yeah. Yeah. Aw, good for her. Good yeah. For her. Speedy recovery, Linda. She had one. Um <laughs> So this is oh get fucked, Linda. <laughs> also, tr- also yeah. true. The, the, these are her first public comments as uh, Minister for Disability. Um, so, if, if people haven't been following the story, these independent assessments are basically something that the government has been trying to sneakily introduce into the NDIS, which involve uh, government-appointed uh, assessors to come into the homes of disabled people and basically judge how disabled they are, and then NDIS funding will be uh, delivered based on that, as opposed to the current system, which is people pro- tendering like evidence from medical professionals that are already familiar with them, they've been seeing for a while. And who actually have uh, expertise in that area, as opposed to just uh, it's like ghoulish. Well, they, when they get to be independent contractors as well. So uh. it's like an, an extra layer of privatization, which the government loves to talk about how the NDIS is like, hemorrhaging money and that people are rorting it and but it's always framed in this way of like oh people are claiming things they shouldn't when in fact like so much of the money leaks out in all of these layers of privatization yeah anyway um so these independent assessments needless to say and we've said on the show a number of times are opposed by the entire disability community pretty much just an awful fucking horrible idea obviously just a cost-cutting measure 
It's really, really, it's really bad. So anyway, Reynolds said earlier that they were going to be pausing the rollout to do of the independent assessments to do community consultation after there was like quite a bit of backlash over the announcement. And also like the NDAS has just been a mess internally for the last few months, shitloads of leaking from within yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the agency and from minute, like state disability ministers and stuff. Um, but so a lot of know, WhatsApp app play convos getting leaked, right? Yeah. That mm. kind of thing. Uh, and so Linda Reynolds has uh, previously said, yeah, we're pausing the, we're pausing the rollout. And now she said, no, we're, we're still going to do it. We're just pausing for some community consultation, uh, which begs the question, why is it not doing it? Not on the cards then, which is something that uh, Jordan Steele, John, the green Senator did uh, point out. Also feel like uh, the community is being consulted and the community has given their fucking feedback at this point. They say, uh, we hate that. No, thank you. That's an excellent point. If yeah. Noon was here, he would say something along the lines of uh, consultation always means exactly the opposite whenever government is doing yes. it. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there, as I mentioned, the, the assessments are part of this broader kind of cost-cutting drive that the government is undertaking around the NDIS. Um, one of the other measures being uh, this quote-unquote razor gang, as it's being called in the, in the press, which is like a department specifically whose job is to go and find ways to cut costs at the NDIS. I'm sorry, can you say this again? Razor gang? Razor gang, because they're, they're cutting so many costs. Is yeah. that because... That, uh, that's the most embarrassing thing I've it's ever heard. Deeply embarrassing. I don't know where if the phrase came <laughs> internally or was applied by the media, oh, but either way... It is definitely like the version of a guy who told you to call you a nickname. Like they've gone like, let's call ourselves a razor gang, guys. <laughs> it reminds me of... Um, <laughs> we're just raising them up. The, those like anti-China uh, MPs who call themselves the Wolverines after um, Red Dawn. Anyway, oh, you're right. Boo. Very, oh. <laughs> very embarrassing. Um, as I mentioned, these are Linda Reynolds' first public comments as uh, Minister for Disability. And uh, there was also this fucked quote uh this was in a parliamentary it was in either estimates or an inquiry i can't remember which one it was uh political podcast host here we go uh but she also said this very fucked thing participant outcomes are improving the longer they are in the ndis yet since 2017 there is a significant drop in those classified as high functioning and a significant increase in those classified as low functioning if you think about that it's quite alarming is the NDIS actually making people less functional over time? <laughs> which, <Ooh! laughs> yeah, it's kind of a mind-bogglingly fucked thing for the minister in charge of the NDIS to say. For a start, are they still using low and high functioning? Right, the language like, itself is pretty... It is like, I know that deeply in a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of communities, autistic, ADHD kind of communities have like really... Uh, have rejected that for a long time i mm. assume that that you know i shouldn't assume but it would make sense if that goes for most disabled people being like uh, 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 yeah uh, it's mm. it's really gross language um it also there's this uh kind of tacit idea in there about disability being static not something that develops or changes over time which is also and a very it's constantly in flux yeah like exactly um, anyway, to quote Rick Morton, who does a lot of reporting on the NDAS uh, in response to these comments from Linda Reynolds, maybe your data sucks. <laughs> um, to which I would also add, 
maybe you're a fuckwit. Um, so yeah, I mean, all of this, I guess, just goes to show that when it comes to government services, the people who are put in charge of managing them, especially in liberal governments, are actually there to dismantle them. Uh, and Linda Reynolds, while she's only recently been put in charge uh, of the NDIS, is uh, basically continuing without interruption the project uh, begun by Stuart Robert, who was the previous minister uh, and avid, avid surfer of the internet, mm-hmm. um, of, yeah, just basically completely uh, undermining this service. And this horrible rhetoric of, like, maybe helping people is actually bad for them, like, is a classic conservative line right oh yeah but it's, to apply that, it in this case touches, is so... like on their compl- on their ideology completely yeah, yeah. anyway just helping really... only hurts people that that the real hurting people is helping them exactly and in this context that shit just really made me fucking gag anyway yeah wild that she isn't more classy yeah. who would have thought yeah. I, w- I just wanted to um to update on that story since the last thing i mentioned about it was maybe something good was happening and Oh no! I, I think I think recently you said I think maybe something bad is actually happening. So now we're going closer to that. Now here we are. Great. 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 All right. Great. Uh, that's enough of that. Now it's time for you fucked up. One of my faves. Yes. Um. So this week is budget week, and mm-hmm. uh, long story short, I can't be fucked. Um, which I think a lot of people can probably relate to. Um. Yeah, we hate. Uh, budget week. We do not stand. <laughs> yeah. Not not in this household. Uh, there is one piece of advice that I think everybody needs to know when it comes to Ooh. understanding the federal budget, which is the federal budget is basically like a household budget. You know, it's basically exactly the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's like you decide you need a Nintendo Switch for the household, and oh, looking at our incomings we actually maybe don't have enough money to buy a Nintendo Switch. So you go to the bank and then you just uh, spend a trillion dollars into existence and you can buy as many Nintendo Switches as you want. So I think everybody can understand. That's essentially what I've been doing. I have heaps of debt for some reason, but I'm sure that eventually (laughs) it will resolve itself. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it'll it'll totally work out. Um, The the government has taught me that money isn't real, so I'm going to keep going with that. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, like I guess. I guess a bit, yeah, but strong stepdad energy yeah. from the government. <laughs> um, so look, uh, Noon and I did a really in-depth budget episode last year, um, episode sixty-nine. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, you should go back and listen to. It. I was I went back and listened to it in prep for this episode, and I was like, this is actually not bad. Like, I'm gonna go back and cringe, you know, but. It's got the sexy theme song intro as well, which is what was that? Which is fun. Do we? I don't. I'm not, I'm not pulling it up again. Aww. You'll have to go back and listen if you want that. Did it uh, inspire one of my uh, shit posts of the week? Was uh, it women use roads? Yeah, yeah. Women use roads was in that budget. Yes. That was a, that budget was a women classic use for roads. Women. <laughs> women, women use roads, and then we got the potluck the following week that was like, actually, disproportionately, <laughs> women don't they use don't. roads nearly as much. <laughs> Which eventually made its way onto uh, Spooky Speaks in the form of Spooky just just being like, you know what, women don't use roads. <laughs> and then Jack being like, um, I feel like I need context here. Anyway, got enough track. Please listen to Spooky Speaks. A great podcast. Yes. Um, shout out Spooky. Shout out her daddy Jack. Mm. Um, look, I, I don't like. I, I really dislike the discourse around the budget because to me, it's essentially uh, a document that is just 
government propaganda. It means that the government gets to set the agenda for whatever the political discussion is. I agree. The media in general is very credulous about this. You know, they report, for example, one of the lines around this budget is the government has done all this spending in order to kind of like show women that they get them, <laughs> um, which was like, and it's like, is how is it helpful to regurgitate the government's narrative on that? Beyond that, you know, you're buying into this kind of very capitalist logic in the sense of like government's most important function is to choose how they spend money. And that's the only kind of, it's like, you know, prioritize buying into the certain, the logics of like uh, the way that stimulus works or the way that tax cuts work. Anyway, long story short, Noon and I had a long discussion about how we hate all that stuff and went into detail. I'm not going to go over it again. What I'm going to do instead, hmm. basically out of spite, is going to talk <laughs> about something from last year's budget. Uh, because, you know, the government this year, like, you know, the, the, this week they get to tell everybody what they're interested in talking about and then everybody goes out and talks about it. Can I ask a quick cue? Yes. So, as I've said, I get most of my news from the group and... Uh, Ospol shitposting Facebook Ospol group. Shitposting, Facebook group. Um, and from this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else I kind of get from the gram? Here's my question. Okay. When budget week happens, like you were doing now for Spite, does, mm. is there very much journalism that goes like time or like articles that come out to be like, that's interesting that the government has said they're going to do this. Last year they didn't. They said they were going to do all this stuff and then they, they didn't. Does that happen very much? Generally speaking, from what I've seen, not really. I've done quite a bit of reading around the budget this week, looking at the major newspapers coverage of it Mm -hmm. and it's all and this is why why i really hate this week is because there is this kind of yes swallowing and regurgitation of the government's messaging and very short-term memory exactly little interrogation of um you know uh, of the impacts of like last year's measures let alone others and part of that is because the budget is fucking enormous there's so much to go through did they build a road for women i I, I haven't (laughs) checked in on that uh, Damn but it, I should. Jack, you had one job. <laughs> I specifically a, wanted to find out. That's a really good point. Um, anyway, if you want to know what's in this year's budget, you know, go and listen to the Guardian podcast or, or 7 Literally AM. any... You can get it anywhere else. You know, all you're going to get from us is the same thing, but angrier, which I guess why you're listening to the podcast. But anyway, okay, my point is, <laughs> uh, I wanted to look at one of the government's signature policies from last year's budget, one of the headline items, which was JobMaker. Um, we all remember JobMaker. <sighs> uh, everybody's favorite one of the. Uh, How does this up, <laughs> Mister JobMaker? Make me a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that was the idea. Frydenberg was singing the job, Mister JobMaker song, which we mm. all know and love. Uh, and the whole, you know, headline of the of last year's budget was jobs, jobs, jobs. Frydenberg uh, said, you know, we're in, we're in the midst of the coronavirus recession. And he, and he said something along the lines of there's no economic recovery without a jobs recovery. Jobs recovery, very, very important. And one of the main ways that the de- government decided they were going to do it was the job maker policy. So jobs and growth. Uh, it was a fairly complicated policy. And that was um, part of the reason why um, it didn't do so well. Fuck spoilers. But anyway, um, at its simplest JobMaker was a $200 a week wage subsidy that would go to employers specifically for hiring young people who had been on JobSeeker or some other government payment. 
uh, and employees had to work an average of 20 hours a week for employers to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was kind of supposed to dovetail in like as job seeker payments, which had been doubled during the pandemic, were kind of being uh, tailed off. Yeah. The idea is this comes in to try and transfer people over from those payments into jobs uh, because the best form of welfare is a job. Uh, so there was a bunch of problems. It's not. it's not. There was a bunch of problems identified at the time. Um, among just, them. Yeah. Do you think it was going to be inspired to get it, to, to make it, to make a job for someone <laughs> for this $200? Well, as it turns out, no. Um, ah. <laughs> yeah. There, so there were, you know, a bunch of problems identified at the time, including that working a 20-hour uh, week at minimum wage would still mean that you would technically qualify for job seeker because you'd be earning so little money. That it would create insecure jobs, that there was no support for people over 35, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like the that- kind of policy of, of, like, people who have always worked for, like, their daddies and their daddies' friends who have, like, yeah, we'll find you something. <laughs> you know, we'll find you a role here. And it's like that. So they think that jobs work the same way that the, like the budget works. It's yeah. like we'll, me being here will make a job happen. Yeah. It's, it's like that's not really how it goes for most people. Uh, well, yeah, you'd be right about that, Holly. I mean, let's check in on JobMaker now and see how we're going. Uh-huh. Uh, here's a little quote from the Australian Financial Review, the money paper. <laughs> quote, the scheme was costed at $4 billion, but total spending has been cut. By three point nine billion <laughs> to just one hundred million dollars for following a poor uptake by employers. I'm glad you found that as funny as I did. Uh, uh, it is legitimately hilarious. That's a, it's a great sentence. Um, so they mentioned poor uptake here. Um, how many jobs do you reckon that that means were created out of the original target, which was four hundred and fifty thousand jobs? That's what when when the government released last year's budget, they were like. We're spending $4 billion on JobMaker. It's going to create 450,000 new jobs. What do you reckon the actual number is? Take a stab. I'll guess. 369. It's, you're not far off. It's actually 609. It's a, ah! So it's like it's, oh, it's 69, but with a, I don't know, somebody curled up in fetal position in between them. It's, I don't know. But, uh... Admittedly, so it's 609, yeah. That's just the wet spot. Admit, oh, gross. Sorry, you can take that out. Fi- I just couldn't think of anything else that would Two people sleeping there. top to tail after they've... <laughs> or there's like, it's just two kids sleeping top to tail and there's like a big teddy. Okay, that's much cuter. Yeah. yeah there you go. Sorry for my crass thing. Uh, my cute thing was nice though. <laughs> it, was, it was good. So, I mean, admittedly, that figure is as of eight weeks ago. Um, the government, for some reason, doesn't seem super keen to be putting out more recent figures on that. Curious. Um, yes, very curious. So it may have gone up, but let's let's be generous. Let's in the double last, it. what, six weeks? Yeah, let's... Well, it's, it had only been... Because it was actually only came into jobs. effect. Yeah. Jeez. We, we made too many jokes about the fact that it was 69 didn't focus on that you had revealed a hilariously, amazingly sad fact. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, look, 609... Promised jobs out of four hundred and fifty thousand. And I want you, I want you to remember that because it's going to come back in a second or something but similar. Jim is so sick about that. I'm looking for a job. Zillions of people out here looking for jobs. Yeah. The people that made that, they have a job. <laughs> yes. Ha- a J- very, very well-paid job. Boo. <laughs> and 
you know, they'll be financed well, like in, for their entire retirement as well. If I did that badly in my job, I would be fired. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I should be. Well, you know what you should do, Holly. But um, <laughs> I will. Yeah, for the first time, we're all get, we're getting riled up for electoral politics here on Oz Post Neck. But when I um, turn eighteen next year. So look, all of this. <laughs> <laughs> That one caught me off guard. Sorry. <laughs> my I'm really old. My girlfriend's not 17, please. <laughs> Believe me. Okay. I'm, a, I'm an old hag. I okay. promise you. What I was trying to say <laughs> was that this just it, it goes a long way to demonstrating uh, how garbage Budget Week is. Like, you know, there's all this, like, breathless reporting, regurgitating yeah. of government narratives, and then you check in a year later and it's like, oh, what happened to that 450,000 yeah. jobs? I, know, I mean, I know I just said that I, like, don't do a heap of news looking around, but I do some, and uh, I haven't heard that being made a point of. I haven't seen, a, like, a disgusting, weird cartoon about that on the front of Herald Sun. All I've seen is that weird, upsetting one. That's an amazing segue into our next Oh, segment. really? Yeah. Which is... I am pretty sorry. Shitpost of the week. Oh, Noon, we miss you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we do. We miss you a lot, Noon. Um, but this week for Shitpost of the Week, I thought that uh, we could go through some of the newspaper front pages announcing budget. Oh, uh, Because fun. there have been some absolutely fucking horrible ones. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, 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 yeah. Holly is a, is a graphic designer by uh, trade. Mm. And so... Handy I thought, uh, Bub, you could give us, uh, you know, maybe a little rating out of 10 Ooh. for each of these front pages. Like on a scale of one to I, graphic design is my passion? Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, and we're going to do all of this in seven minutes, roughly. So we've got oh, about geez. a minute per front page. I am not uh, swift. All right. We're concise. starting off here with the Herald Sun. Do you want to describe this one for yeah, us? Yeah, this is the one that I've seen. Uh so we've got uh, this is Frydenberg, right? That's Friday. Uh, we've got Morrison looking much cuter than he has any right to. They're giving him these big sort of puppy eyes. Yeah, I mean he's looking. He looks very scary, but that is cuter than his normal yeah. face. It's a. It, um, this is if if you're not clued in to what the Herald Sun front page looks like on Budget Week, it's it's a caricature. Oh yeah, know. it's caricatures. They're they're exaggerated, though they both seem to have the same big lower half of face yeah i guess they I thought that was interesting because only frydenberg really has it scott morrison's face is like a little fridge yeah uh so i don't think that's actually accurate it's not accurate his head's much uh, square they're very shiny and they're holding the, the so the title is full strength recovery and it's frydenberg and, and morrison there's also a little coronavirus next to the very funny is does it have a face one sec i'm getting closer yeah oh it's the little coronavirus has a little uh, vaccine oh, going into the butt. it's in its butt. Wow. Wow. That, that is a they, detail I had not noticed. I think they snuck that in. That is lewd. That's really lewd. Um, Jeez. <laughs> the little face is like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That adds a whole extra level of weirdness. I actually to fucking love that. An already um, very abject. I'm going to give just that little coronavirus getting a vaccine off the butt a 10. I think uh, that's fair. <laughs> Um, the rest of it, uh, sorry, is, 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 is it's pretty low. awful. And so the theme of this uh, this page: full strength recovery. It's Morrison and, and Frydenberg pouring pints of cash from taps that are labeled things like tax cut lager and aged care ale 
and debt bitter and this kind of thing. So, which this is, I love be the that theme. they have childcare light, which very accurate. <laughs> the the theme. I mean, I I well, the budget. there's <laughs> and look I, again. I don't want to get into it. You know what I mean. But there's childcare should be one of the so one of the off. like signature spends of this budget is on childcare, which is for women. You know, the only people who have children, women. Um, Do you know who love children? Women. <laughs> uh, so that you'll this will be a theme that you'll notice throughout the rest of these. That there's this like, look at all this money getting splashed around. We're all going to drink it down in big frothy glasses of cash. Anyway, moving on. Number two, 10 out of 10 for the Herald Sun <laughs> uh, from Holly. And um. Now, I'm sorry, it's on tape. Oh, and now true. We're, you can't edit audio. <laughs> we're moving on to the age now, um, which is less Everyone's fun. favorite fake good newspaper. Yeah, that's a really good uh, description. I'm really politically astute, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm. Okay, sorry. Uh, so this is... To be honest, a similar uh, like concept, but mm. done unfortunately shitter. I kind of like if you're going to go like if you're going to go ham, go ham. Mm. They've just kind of got uh, Frydenberg and Scott Morrison, but their faces are less identifiable than uh, <laughs> in the top one in in the Herald. Someone very blurry. Yeah, uh, and then they're in these little like kind of white. Uh, sh- almost like ringleader suits, but it's not really like ringleader. They're in tuxes. They're in tuxes, but they're all white, which is very like uh, showman. Like, uh, yes. Very, uh, who's that asshole circus guy? DB something or Hugh Jackman. Did him oh that? yeah. PT. Very PT Barnum. Barnum. You know, very kind of like, yeah. A welcome to this terrible show, but I guess it's a wheel of fortune situation. Uh, and then on the wheel of the wheels of fortune, which is in fact a a way worse concept than the beers <laughs> one, because the beers one insinuates that they are getting all of the you, you know you're getting each beer. Lots of people are getting some childcare. Lots of people are getting some big bills. Yeah. But this one, it's like it's got you're right. women. Sorry, I have to move away from the mic. Uh, women, come on down. Going to say no. Uh, jobs, jobs, jobs. No, again, don't like that. Guess the election date. What? This is terrible. <laughs> it it um, is really bad. They're and bad, and it insinuates that you only get one. Yes, because that's what it's the a wheel much, of fortune. It's a much is. It's worse like, analogy, which... and also the wheel of fortune analogy in the first place is very forced, and you don't really know what's going on until you read the headline, which is small. The headline, but the big headline here is everyone's a winner, baby. Just don't mention the debt, uh, and. But I'd like to point out that above this, they've got also like three major things that they've pulled out here, like above the headline. And the first one is 250,000 jobs. Does that fucking sound familiar to you? Like just completely uncritically printed there right below the logo of the newspaper. It says (laughs) 250,000 jobs. My memory is as short as Australia's uh, media. So (laughs) I actually don't remember what you told me five minutes ago. Well, this is just, I, I mean, this is what I'm talking about in terms of coverage, right? You yeah. Know what I mean, like, it, just, it, it makes me very fucking angry. It's so hard not to blow a raspberry on the mic. And like, I... It, I appreciate your restraint. It's, it's like, it doesn't work and it's it's gross, but it is gross. We've taken much longer than we should have. Oh, give me a, Give me a rating out of 10 here. Oh, God. Like two. Okay. Not even. Two out of 10 for Zero. the age. Next up, the West Australian. Well, I'm going to call it high concept. 
Um, yes, the highest concept one of the lot, I would which say. Which I appreciate. I appreciate some imagination. They are ripping off Penguin Classic. Uh, as everyone knows, kind of like the orange, uh, you know, Penguin the publisher. They have novels. They do and they publish a classic it's like two orange strips in the middle there's like a cream strip that has the title of the book this uh title is great expectations which is apparently a classic but i've never read it because dickens <laughs> is difficult and yeah great that serialized writing that that paid by the word type Oof. prose Oof. and the the um, the headline here is Australia roaring back with jobs boom and social spend in face of virus. So the West Australian is a Murdoch paper, so it's not at all surprising to see this kind of flagrant uh, <laughs> propaganda on behalf of the government coming from However, the though, editorial. You know, like, uh, as I said, I haven't read all of Great Expectations. I've given it a go one or two times. I've watched some... I mean, I feel like maybe they haven't read Great Expectations. I would agree with that. Right? Yeah. It, it's kind of like, uh, it's a little bit doomsy. Like, you, I think you're playing yourself a little. Yeah. I think, isn't that the kind of the end? Oh, look, who knows? But <laughs> the the fact that they've cast. Oh, the little boy does get money, he makes maybe. A he makes a bunch of money, but it's. Like, but it is, it's, what's it's accurate difficult. is that they've kind of, the way they've portrayed Frydenberg here at the bottom is like the main character. And yeah. Sh- and, and to be fair, he is rich and will stay rich. So. Well, the little boy in Grey Expectations is not rich at the start. Not at the beginning, but he ends up um, with um, but I'm gonna, Mr. Moneybags. Graphic design wise, I'm going to go ahead and give this a 10, to be okay. honest. They have, they've crushed it. So Sorry. far, two 10s for Murdoch uh, and a two out of 10 for the nine Fairfax papers. Look, uh, to you don't even need to. I'm going to take back my 10 because this is getting the 10. This is a... Oh, wow. <laughs> We're moving on to the Sydney Morning Herald. Well, you Headline, know... Headline, Coalition Changes Tune. It's just so trash. And I love trash. This is the lowest effort one of them. It's up. the lowest effort. I think it's Josh Frydenberg, but the face is barely anything. Looks nothing like Looks him. Looks nothing like him, but he's as uh, Akadaka. Who's the guy? Angus Young. No, it's... Bon- is he not Bun Scott? Bun, no, Bun Scott's the singer, oh, I think. Oh, and Angus Young is the schoolboy. I think so. Whatever. You know, it's the, it's the guitar ACDC schoolboy guy, but Josh Frydenberg is him. And he's I feel just, like I just alienated so many people but, but potentially getting that wrong. But we're not 50. Like oh, I said, we've I was got old, our favorite, but... um, The big winners and losers at everybody's favorite. Oh, yeah, budget time. Come on down. Who's a winner and who's a loser? And isn't that the hun- like 100% the, like the audience is like, this will not affect you. Yes. Right. Yeah. But he's playing and lots of money is f- getting thrown at him. And the, it says back in black in the back. But back is in, that because but the back, back in the black, like, well, back in black money? was, was a, a Morrison government slogan about getting the budget back in the black, like out of the deficit and into surplus from a couple of years ago before the pandemic. That's corny ass, man. But the government last year put us into an unrepayable <laughs> amount of debt with that budget. So the th- the the uh the back in black banner is on fire here, like it's never going to happen. But they've oh. still gone with Frydenberg as like it's really strained. This is yeah. the most strained of all of them. Anyway, quick rating four four. No, you gave it ten before. <laughs> yeah, but when you ex- the back in black thing really took it down for me. Uh, yeah, fair enough. All right, let's quickly blow through the Daily Telegraph one here. Unsurprisingly, I would say this is maybe the scariest one it's so terrifying. far. Um. 
again, sneaky little coronavirus in the corner, this time with two vaccines in the butt. Wow. Uh, and it looks way <laughs> like it's dead. Yeah. Uh, the other the other little coronavirus was like, oh, my, my little vaccine. This one looks like an anti-vaxxer to me. It's been murdered by yeah. these two vaccines. Um, and so you've got – I'm going to have to turn the computer around. I can't see it properly. It's very detailed, which is – like someone spent time on this, man. Okay. Do you love the, the – <sighs> The big titties up the back here. <laughs> Zach, you know I always love big titties. <laughs> uh, Josh Frydenberg, again, a feature. He is wearing orange, high-vis. He is driving Josh's Bob's Jobs building. Jo- yeah, Josh's jo- job building. Oh. It's a ute. That's pretty cool. And the headline is Ute Beauty. Because also they're putting money into building. And like stuff, but he's job building. There's well, two kinds of building going one on. One of the, the things that this, that the Daily Tele- Telegraph's coverage uh, really emphasizes is that there's going to be money for tradies to buy new utes. Um, and that's going to be, they list it as like a major driver of Australia's economic recovery. Zach, I might shock you here, but I think tradies should get utes. I have no problem with tradies getting utes. I just think that it's kind of funny I that love the Daily Utes. Telegraph has listed Trades it as one of the three main things that are going is going to that fuel is, the coronavirus. That is recovery. interesting. When the other like the, they've all kind of done this, like picked kind of a couple of things and splashed them mm. up top, and it is funny that they have popped that up there. And so they've got an old lady; uh, she's getting some money for aged care. They've made yep. her quite ugly, purple haired. Uh, I would say it's a little ageist. And uh, we've got is, is a dog's getting money. Are they giving me a Dante is an asshole grant? I couldn't zoom in enough on the photo to read the writing on the dog's bowl. Um, Uh, I've got really good eyesight. Let me look really close. It says mental health. Uh, Okay, I don't know what that's trying to imply. That is really weird. Yeah. The dog is in the air. There's a little little dog bowl that's floating next to him that says mental health on it, and the dog has money. I guess that dog... Is it like a, what's it, is it a bit reductive and it's like a, what's the term for an animal that is, is like helping you? No, you're, you're giving them way too much credit. What's Thera- going on here is the dog, the dog is, is, like a- is under 25 and so the dog gets to go to headspace <laughs> um, and, and they're building 10 new headspace uh, clinics. And that's when the dog comes out and goes, but I'm 47 in dog years. I deserve a real therapist. Oh, wow. Hey, I mean, not I don't believe headspace. in dog years. Hey, um, good, you do good work, Headspace, but come on. My favorite part of this help. is in the top right corner here. There's a QR code, and it says, Scan here to see the treasurer's exclusive message for telegraph readers, which just fucking kills me. That's so I bet funny. you it's a Q drop. That's news. It, wow. Fre- Frydenberg is Q, confirmed. <laughs> anyway. Okay. But I, mean, I know we're trying to be quick, but there's just a couple. I really have to ask, what is the stork doing? There's a stork in the corner carrying a bag. Rental leave daycare, of course, stalk okay. uh, things. And then there's a tradie woman with big tits, the back of the truck yes. with a ghost, green go sign, really big lips. It's a strange look. Uh, whatever. It's all this quite is grotesque. Fucked. Yeah. Uh, it's the scariest one. So I'm going to give it a 10. Okay. 10 out of 10 for yeah. the daily telegraph. <laughs> I've got three 10s for the, <laughs> the Murdoch paper so far. And I'm last not one a here, harsh critic. The Northern Territory News. You want to read that headline for me? This this is a really big setup, isn't it? You got me all okay. NT News. uh, The headline is busted. 
with weed near his willy. Uh, it's. I'm assuming this is Sirioli, the footballer. Uh, I, I'm happy to. It says Rioli to, to face court after cannabis allegedly found in pants. Uh, I used to nanny for a child that was a big fan of a footballer called Sirioli. Yes, well, the last name is Rioli, and he would say it in this long way where he would say Sirioli, and I assume that his first name isn't Si. Uh, but uh, it was just all kind of one thing. You know, as it happens with a lot of football players, you kind of just say the whole yeah, thing. I, I couldn't tell you what his first name uh, is. And there's a picture of the guy. He looks cute. Uh, everyone should be able to carry weed in their pants. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't get, be a big deal. Get and fucked then, Northern Territory. Then, Do love that they're not really concentrating on the budget, though. Yeah, just, just below it, tiny in the corner. Federal budget special. All you need to know and how it affects the territory. That is um, the one one part of it I, that I will give it. Uh, okay, I'm going to give it a two. While it's obviously bad, and I would say semi-racist to make it the very possibly yeah to make it the like the front thing and have it be this way. I do like that they have put a picture of a marijuana leaf uh, to because behind uh, the big stamp that says "busted." Yeah, that's Mm. uh, a hilarious lol, Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that they're like, yeah, the budget's not that important. Uh, Let's see how it affects the territory, if at all. Kind of in the corner. (laughs) Yeah. Willie. Presumably, it's, presumably his name is Willie. Will, anyway, so, that's, that's enough of that. Okay, so uh, thank you for all of those not. ratings, yeah. Holly. Uh, You're welcome. I, I guess we have to congratulate the designers at the Murdoch Papers. Clearly, I just they know love what doing. gross shit. Um, mm. There's so much. If you're going to go- do cartoons, uh, like. So much about really inane, banal design and illustration out there. Lots of just like all shapeless guys going like, oh, I love the bank. Uh, and then over here you've got Corona getting injected in the butt. Yeah, and like literally just dying from it. And it be, <laughs> I, like, it was really, uh, I would say, jarring. And mm. to inspire that reaction, uh, you know, you've done something. No doubt. Do something is all I'm saying. <laughs> well. Now that that's done with, uh, let's move on. Potluck, where you bring the snacks. Yeah, and we've got one from Leah this week. Oh, lovely. Hi, team. It's Leah. Um, it's been a while. How's things? All good? Yep. Anyway, so yeah, I've been catching up on past episodes and just come across the episode that you did on the milkshake video. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely, it's like, yeah, whatever. Two things. First of all, the audacity to place the abuser as a woman, like my goodness. Second of all, we actually do have really good consent resources. Um, Rasara is one of the best ones. They have a consent workshop and also, um, it's not a compliment is a great resource. We've got end rape on campus. Uh, we've got wire and we've got Casa. So look, there's stuff out there available, for people who are, do have questions around consent to actually self-educate, there's also um, programs, I believe, run by Undercurrent as well. Like, we just... That's in Melbourne. But, like, we we <laughs> we have these resources available. And I, I almost feel like this... I mean, I know this is, like, tinfoil moment, but, like, I feel like they almost did it really badly on purpose so people would just dismiss the idea of having these videos and, and good resources so that they would become a joke. Anyway, yeah. Go check out Rasara. They're amazing. Thank you very much, Leah, for, uh, on the one hand, several bits of helpful advice about where people can find actually good information about 
consent resources and also for your tinfoil theories, which I love conspiracies uh, like that, which like whether or not it's a conscious thing, uh, I agree that the idea of like making consent seem like this massively complicated shadowy thing that could possibly never be, never possibly be understood is absolutely a part of the broader, like being absolutely inept and fucking it up as well. Just, just obfuscates yes. uh, any need to have a conversation. But, sorry. I, I have a lot of feelings about, about it. Yeah. It's all like, it's all extremely gross, but I, I think Leah makes it's important to point out, you know, while we're ragging on, the uh, shit stuff that the government has uh, commissioned to to point people in the direction of uh, positive resources as well. Uh, and also kind of, you know, I, I think it, this also points towards another issue that I've seen um, kind of pointed out on social media, which is that it's not, when it comes to consent education, it's not just about mandating it and putting it in the curriculum or whatever. In many cases, it is already in the curriculum. It's about how it's taught. And whether or not, uh, you know, the, and, and, and according to what guidelines. So I've seen some educators kind of complicating the discussion around the calls for consent education in the wake, you know, of, of uh, Brittany Higgins uh, situation and, uh, and, and the kind of various other instances of sexual assault and harassment that have been, you know, happening in politics and elsewhere. Um, so, which I think is an interesting point. Like, I think that you know, education about consent is obviously super important, but also uh, what I've seen being said is that that is definitely not the be-all and end-all. And in fact, you know, much of what we need in order to do good consent education is actually already there. It's just not necessarily being implemented. 100%. I also take a great issue with the, like, like obviously, the like, over-complicating things and not really getting it is a big thing. But I think people pretending that it's that it isn't complicated uh is just as harmful. Just like not in the way that it's just not complicated in the way they're saying that it is. It's yes. complicated in the way that unlearning like internalized rape culture is a long and arduous process that requires work and continuous re education. Mm. I guess what I mean is that it's not complicated, it's just hard. And they're pretending that those two things are the same. And I take a, I, I take a lot of issue with it. It really bothers me. I really don't like bringing out little... <sighs> oh, I think it's a really well-articulated distinction. Um, yeah, it, it's not this... It's not a difficult thing to understand. Like, the idea of don't do something to somebody that they don't want you to is not a complex idea. But as you say, putting that into practice, especially for cishet dudes... Yeah, it's a lifelong process. Yeah, and um, for people on the receiving end, knowing how to like, mm. n knowing how to give consent, it's just mm -hmm. like it, it's complicated for everyone that has grown up learning all the wrong things. And again, I just did it then. It's not complicated. It's hard. Yeah, it's it takes it takes real active work. But um, as Leo points out, there's heaps of good resources that can uh, help people who need to be, you know, who are looking to be pointed in the right direction or people who are looking for resources to teach that stuff. So, But that she, she's not wrong. The government does love to fail at shit so that they can go like, <laughs> oh, those people are actually doing a fine job that we're not really helping them with. Go over there. Yeah, exactly. 
so thanks very much, Leah. Um, now um, let's move on to uh, our First Nations stories for this week. And I'll, I'll give uh, a content warning at the top here that I'm going to use the names of Indigenous people who have died. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about deaths in custody. Uh, so I'm just going to touch on a couple of stories here. Um, mm. We've been following the coronial inquest into the death of Wiradjuri Kukata and Warangu man Wayne Feller Morrison. Mm. Um, so that's ongoing this week, uh, and there's not a huge amount of news there. It's just more stonewalling uh, from the prison guards. Who They're were still using the what is it? The penalty? Yes. So uh, on Friday's hearings, there were 45 instances of uh, some variation on "I don't recall." and 71 separate claims of penalty privilege. And this was in the space of two hours of testimony. So that gives you a sense of what it's like in that courtroom at the moment. Just complete refusal to cooperate with the process. Absolute, like, no answers coming for the family at all. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Something that I, I looked into it a little bit, and something that just was, like, a little vague uh, that I couldn't... Is it just uh, Wayne Fellow Morrison and Seven Guards? Yes. In this bus, that yes. was there any reason given why there's him and seven guards? There was some kind of physical struggle beforehand. Uh, the 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 story told by the guards is that he assaulted three guards before being restrained. Um, I mean, look, the, the the none of this is actually coming out in the inquest at all. So. It's actually the the stories around it are still extremely vague. Yeah. So this is exactly the kind of information that the family is. So that able is to something get. that just sticks right the fuck out. Yeah. No, uh, I think it, well, it typifies the absolutely extreme retaliatory nature of the force employed. Oh, it's like when you see one like person who has stolen something on the street with like ten cops around them. Exactly. And you're like that kid is fuck. You know. Yeah. Whatever. It's no. I mean, and it's 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 sort of you know. It's a shocking image, but also very familiar. And one more question. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Latoya Rule, is that his sister? Uh, uh, Latoya is non-binary, so oh. they're sibling. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Latoya, um, Latoya is Wayne Phil Morrison's sibling, yeah. Yeah. Um, made a, like, a great, uh, had a great response to, is it, sorry, is it South Australia or Western Australia? South Australia. South Australia um, going to ban split hoods, but in six months from now, mm. basically being like, it needs to be now and it needs to not be replaced with yeah. um, something else. Something that uh, I hope hadn't realized when they made that statement, it's basically said that we need a different, don't replace it with another restraining device. Is split hoods labeled as like a restraint device? Yeah. Because they seem to be straight up a torture yeah device like they're not yeah they're, they're not considered well i mean obviously like legally speaking according to its own language and definitions the state isn't allowed to employ torture but they obviously do and spit hoods of spit hoods obviously are a torture device but yeah no they're they're just like they're it's a restraint basically and the language around it is that it's for the safety of officers and stuff which is like again just the most horrible kind of carceral mindset like you need to be protected from this guy who's cuffed hand and foot lying face down in a van. Anyway, there's several more weeks to go in that inquest um, and uh, we'll be keeping up to date with that as it goes on. 
there's another inquest uh, into a death in custody that I wanted to touch on here, which is a young of a, of a young Wiradjuri man named Bailey Macanda. This is also ongoing. Uh, Macanda was 20 years old and being held like Wayne Feller Morrison on remand, awaiting trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in acute mental and physical distress. He was having panic attacks. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Uh, he was on suicide watch, like within the prison, yeah. uh, but was repeatedly ignored and taunted by guards when he complained of being, uh, you know, uh, of being in a horribly like panicked state, not being able to breathe. Um, the details of this case are, re- are just really horrifying. Eventually, he was taken to hospital, and when being transferred out of hospital, he tried to escape officers by jumping over the wall of a car park and fell ten meters, and he died. The next day from his injuries uh so that inquest uh the, there was i think it was uh last week um it started it's currently been paused and it's going to resume in july mm-hmm. so we'll be following that story um but i wanted to talk about those stories uh as, as context for kind of the main thing i wanted to touch on here which is these new uh, youth bail laws, which have been introduced in the Northern Territory, yeah, which basically make it much harder for children to be released on bail, or the like inverse of that statement would be much easier to keep kids in prison before they're charged, right? Uh, well, it, both, both, yeah. So, and one, we're talking like starting from ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the cool. age of criminal responsibility. And so there's a few things that these laws do. One is uh, that the presumption of bail is removed for, to use the language of the state, first-time offenders. So in other words, like previously the law stated that if a kid was coming in and facing charges for the first time, that they should almost always be let out on bail. And these laws change that. Um, so that's you know, like the, the court has no kind of obligation there's no, to, to, uh, you know, to, to let the kids out. Mm-hmm. Courts can also no longer give kids a diversion if it's opposed by the cops. Um, so a, a diversion, if you're not familiar, is um, basically a way to deal with a, a criminal matter out of court and is usually a chance to avoid criminal charges. Yeah. Um, so now if the cops are like, no, I don't want this kid to get a diversion, the court can't put it through. Mm. And there's a bunch of other changes, uh, for example, uh, expanding the list of crimes uh, where bail can't be granted, giving cops powers to breath test kids and put electronic moni- monitoring devices on them. Yeah, without, and this is specifically the look that they're changing it so that they can do it without a guardian present. And, are, you, um, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's insane. And they, and, and the other thing they're doing is making it much easier to revoke bail if a kid breaks the conditions of their release. So, yeah, it's a collection of super fascist shit being imposed on children. And, you know, the end of the day, these policies will make it much more likely that kids will go to prison, much more likely that they'll be criminalized again later in life. And of course, when we consider that the proportion of kids in prisons in Northern Territory who are indigenous hovers around 100%, these are policies designed to put more indigenous kids in prison. And that's just the, 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 the be all and end all yeah, of these, that's, that's, that's exactly what of that these is. changes. That's all it is. And so, you know, I, I mentioned those two inquests at the top to kind of like we're following those stories, but it's also, you know, just a reminder that like even on remand, being held on remand with no conviction, 
is often a death sentence for yeah. Indigenous people. And so at, 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 at its core, Indigenous these policies... children. Yes, exactly. These policies are going to make it much more likely that Indigenous kids will die in custody. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that really is the point beyond some kind of tough-on-crime posturing by the government. I mean, we know that measures like this don't actually go any way to reducing crime. In fact, they make it much more likely that these people will be continually criminalized throughout oh, their lives. When you hurt and terrorize children, they don't become super well behaved immediately, regardless Shocking of stuff. their surroundings. Seriously. Uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, real solutions involve. Or adults, by the way. Or adults. Like I'm saying, I, 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 don't, I don't condone it for as soon as you turn 18. No, oh, well, this is yeah, a, a different level of extreme. Yeah. Like, you know. um, yeah, but, like, you know, of real solutions. Uh, you know, involve empowering communities to create and run their own programs. And, and of course, under, addressing the underlying conditions that result in crime in the first place, in other words, like giving people a fucking decent standard of living. But there's no commitment to any of that stuff here. Mm -hmm. It's just this big stick with which to, like, try and beat children into submission. It's just, you know, the, yeah, the only conclusion I can draw. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and... This is being implemented by a Labour government in the Northern Territory, who, by the way, have an outright majority, like, in the lower I don't recognise the word Labour government anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's not, no, well, that's not, doesn't exist. And I think, you know, you, you're, you're exactly right that basically, you know, this points towards the fact that the ongoing and active attempted genocide of Indigenous people is a bipartisan political yeah. project. And, yeah, I just want to finish out this story by saying that everyone involved in the legislation of these policies as fucking blood on their hands. I, it's disgusting. I don't know if there's any, there's anything more to be said about that. Um, but moving on from this, from that wow. re really, really awful story. Oh, actually, before I get off that, uh, and I was talking about labor, the uh, Queensland labor has also recently introduced like tough new laws for what they call hardcore recidivists. In other words, children like, the, these I just are... think it's it's so fucking wild that like was it last year or was it the year before that we were like I don't know if we me <laughs> it was like I guess I was somehow even somehow less cynical than I am now I feel like I've always been like this but I was like pretty sure they were going to raise the age like mm. I I I felt reasonably confident that it was going to go from ten to fourteen and I was just, it's just wild that like not only did that not happen like penalties just getting harsher and harsher yeah uh no point there just um fucking horrifying yeah that, that it's active and ongoing and, and think breaking that, news that these things like you know states aren't naturally going to slide towards you know improving social programs or being less punitive unless no. unless they're forced and um, they weren't by... it comes from the community absolutely exactly uh, but yeah, let's, let's move on from that now. Um, really appreciating right now. Like usually this is the part in that I'm just like crying in my car and no one can see me while I'm listening to the podcast. Really appreciating for the first time that you have to sit here with noon and then be like, let's talk about our dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Not quite. But it is time for. Positivity. Oh. Okay. Yes. Sure. Uh, a little bit of tonal whiplash, but it is also you know, slightly relevant. 
uh, I wanted to talk briefly about the fact that Celeste Little is running for the Greens in the seat of Cooper. What? Uh, yeah, so she's lived in that seat, for uh, to quote her, for what? the majority of the last uh, 24 years. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know her, uh, Celeste Little is an Arenti woman. Uh, she's the national organiser, the national, I think, Indigenous organiser with the National Tertiary Education Union. Uh, she writes political commentary for various publications and is kind of a general lefty about town in, in Nam, uh, AKA Melbourne. And yeah, look, if she was elected, uh, she'd be the first woman to get, uh, first indigenous woman to get into the lower house from Victoria, which would obviously be massive. Fucking yeah. incredible. Uh, and a note here, she's corrected people who have phrased it as if she would be the first indigenous woman from Victoria. Is that what I said? I'll let I'll let her I'll I'll let her explain it. <laughs> I, made a, I made a mess of my notes here, but what she says is: whilst I am an Indigenous person who lives in Victoria, I'm not an Indigenous Victorian. There is an important distinction, and as an Arenti living on unceded Wurundjeri lands, it must be respected. So Arenti land is in Central Australia, around Alice Springs. Um, so uh, that's something that you know little has been has pointed out about the reporting around this. So mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on that, even if I got it wrong myself um but so celeste little's politics are good yeah uh this is good she's staunchly anti-colonial she's feminist she's obviously pro-worker as like you know a professional unionist and organizer uh she's been really outspoken especially lately about the demolition of the tertiary sector during covid uh, which seems to be one of the major things that has motivated her to go into politics yeah um she's all she's she's a uh, badass yeah she is uh people might know her from her writing under the handle Black Feminist Ranter, mm. if that means anything to anyone. And um, look, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that she would be pretty much the most radical left person in the lower house if elected. Mm. Possibly the whole parliament it would be a really good thing to see her in there. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote uh, from an interview that she gave with National Indigenous Television. We are born political and we have to fight for our existence from the time that we arrive in this world. The more voices that we have in there, representing those views and challenging the status quo for a sheer presence, if not through what we say, the better. So I think that gives you a good, you know. I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, she's like, she's coming in with a very staunch attitude. And a very like, what seems to me a understanding of a lot of communities hesitancy about being enthusiastic about electoral politics and very much understanding that just like, just we need to be there. Yeah, absolutely. She needs to look, be there, in, like in the room. Like, totally. Pre- and look, presenting I, I, I've, a... you know, I, I maintain my reservations about electoral politics, but like Celeste Little is absolutely the kind of person that we need more of uh, in those in those places making those decisions. Turns out, two things can be true. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Cooper, mm-hmm. the the seat. It's a pretty progressive seat in Melbourne's inner north. Uh, for people familiar with the area. It starts uh, at Clifton Hill in the south, stretches up to Reservoir and Bondura in the north. So it also, okay, so it, like kind of rich to like not that rich. Yeah, and, and it, so all... it includes <laughs> Northcote, Thornbury, and Preston. Yeah. So it's got kind of like there's there's definitely like upwardly mobile middle class chunks in there. Also, but it's pretty left, like even lefty going up, area. Yeah. Like and solidly working class in chunks, and it's also that area where it's kind of like. 
it's a greens labor split you know once you start to get up into like reservoir and preston it starts to get a lot more labor but you know yeah. around not North, dissimilar North to the Thornbury, kind of exactly yeah. wills which is next sure. next door that's the yeah the, the electorate to uh the west directly to the west so it's a new seat uh it was created in a minor redistribution in 2018 it used to be known as batman um and Batman is a seat that has been held by Labour since the sorry Batman has been held by Labour since nearly did a, nearly did a raspberry stop myself, but also <laughs> yeah, raspberry did fuck that. John Batman. Fuck John Batman. Fuck John Batman. It is now it's X. It's not even Batman anymore. But we don't have to say your name right, even though it's not even that anymore. Yeah, fuck it's you, Batman. Uh, I mean, fuck Batman too. True. Uh, in, it's uh, actually interesting that. I mean, in the in the redistribution, it's now named after William Cooper, who was uh, an indigenous activist. Mm. So that's cool. Fuck Batman uh, up Cooper. So this would be a little like, yeah, yeah, this would be very appropriate. Be nice. um, so Batman would have been held by Labour since the 1930s. Um, but you might remember Greens candidate Alex Batal. She contested. Yeah. Uh, she contested the seat, I think, six times um, over the course of her. Jeez. time with the greens and she was a pretty good candidate in my opinion yeah. like she was a solid grassroots activist i see her turning out like it, almost any time that i'm at a rally somewhere uh in, no, she's fucking in out Nam, there. you'll see her face yeah. yeah um so she never won but she got really close and in 2018 uh she lost to jed carney who's a, a labor uh, mp jed um, carney yeah what's that name <laughs> Well, I don't like it. We'll we'll, we'll talk about Jed Carney in, in a second. Uh, but Alex Batal lost to her by less than 4%, So, which, like, you know, she's coming really close. Yeah. Remembering, of course, that the Greens only have one MP in the lower house. Yeah. Like, you know, she, she came very, very close to being the second. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit about Jed Carney. She is, for a Labour candidate, pretty progressive, at least her personal politics are. Uh, and she came in kind of with this strong record of advocacy for refugees was like basically one of the big things uh, that she... I still don't like Jed though. Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, look, you don't have to like her name. Okay, it's fine. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so yeah, she came on uh, with the strong history of kind of advocacy for refugees. No prizes for guessing how that is going for her now that she's a part of the Parliamentary Labour Party. Mm -hmm. um, as a side note, just this week, Labour voted to pass new laws that will allow the government to withdraw people's refugee yes. status and to keep refugees in indefinite detention, which is mind-bogglingly fucked. Um, Do the Greens voted against that, by the way. Um, Greens hack. <laughs> look, I am still technically a member and regretting it less now uh, <laughs> um, um, in the wake of this news. Yes. We couldn't already keep them indefinitely? Seems like that's what's going on. I mean, it's illegal for us to be doing that. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. So now it's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You'll notice that we don't really care about what's legal and not when it comes to... Uh, so what you're saying is the government is pretty punk rock. It's it's very punk. Yeah. yeah. Um, disobeying its own laws. <laughs> um, very, very punk stuff. So Alex Patel quit the Greens after that sixth tilt at the seat where she came within 4% of Jed Carney. Yeah, and she quit because of, like, nasty internal shit within the Greens. People yeah. were, like, backgrounding her, and uh, there was a release of, like, a dossier about some bullying claims against her. I don't know the details of that, but essentially shit was, was very 
hey, it's a political party. There's toxic shit in there. Like, it was yeah, it, it it was it was toxic in there. Yeah. So then, in a 2019 federal election, so there was the 2018 was a by election mm-hmm. after the redistricting. Uh, 2019 federal election, the Greens put up in Alex Batal's place a barrister called David Ristrom, uh, who is not nearly as exciting a candidate as Alex Batal. I think we can all agree, even if you don't know who he is. And uh, Carney held the seat with a 13 percent swing. And the green suffered a roughly 13% swing against. So okay. it's like, you know, uh, you do the maths. So um, with this announcement. I won't. I don't care to. <laughs> with, with, with this announcement of about uh, Celeste Little running in Cooper, there has been, very predictably, lots of whinging from Labour and Labour voters about it, you know, like, oh, you're going to take this seat away from a progressive woman. Uh, so I thought I might let uh celeste little herself kind of uh, i'm going to read from a couple of tweets that she made about this i think it's telling what sort of negative mentions from the left i have received a mere handful have done the work looked up the two-party preferred in cooper and seen the margin acknowledged there's hard work to be done here and wished us on our merry way the vast majority however have accused the greens and me from trying to quote steal the seat from the current sitting member accused us of electing liberals oh yes Steal? Stealing through a, a democratic election. Accused <laughs> that us of hasn't ele- happened. That hasn't even happened yet. Accused us of ste- electing liberals in an ALP green seat or told me I should run in a seat other than the one I have lived in for the majority of the past <laughs> 24 years. So perhaps I just state this. I care about this community. I am proud mob who lives here. I'm interested in robust democracy and I am privileged to have been pre-selected by the Greens. Um... Very fucking telling on yourself to be like, oh, if you run a progressive candidate here, we'll lose. (laughs) Yeah. You're stealing this seat from us by running somebody who's obviously better. Very labor. Like, okay, here's a fucking tip. If you want your candidate to win, how about you implement some of her progressive policy ideas? Yeah. Or maybe you win the seat on the basis of earning people's votes. Or you could just fucking whinge about letting the Greens, letting the Libs win. Just so fucking pathetic. Really upsetting. I do want to say I just looked up uh, Jed. Carney. Carney. And uh, she spells it more like uh, Jed from the Wizard of Earthsea than uh, than the Jed I was thinking of in my head. And so I like her. I like the name a little bit better. Okay. Than I did. But... She isn't having her seat stolen by Celeste Little. The name has no impact on that. <laughs> not, not, it's a separate Just to be clear, separate very separate yes. uh, issues. Yeah. Some might say equally as important. I think I'm pronouncing Carney correctly. Kearney, Carney. Anyway, you get, a person, you, you get the idea. A person who, like, who, who classic Labour has, per, has like personal left leanings that, that Labour uses to make it look like in this area yes. they're being progressive yeah. to get people that are hardcore Labour but then also a little bit Greens in that kind of district on side. Exactly. Despite doing absolutely fucking nothing to help asylum seekers, to help fucking anyone except themselves. Yeah. The opposite, in fact. <laughs> the, the, the very opposite. So... You know, it, it's, why would it's you an electorate... let someone progressive be in this seat? It hurts us. <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't just tell yourself anymore. So, you write, um, it's an electorate with progressive voters, and it's definitely winnable for the Greens. And you know, past results seem to demonstrate that having like a strong, identifiable personality has been kind of key to 
their success there, which like you, know, you could probably say about any election, but just, just, let it, me have- it helps to not be someone called like David, David Nimbin Ristrom. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Forgot his name five minutes ago. Also, yep. uh, I refuse to learn any man's full name. That is also my brand of lazy feminism. Hey, uh, like power to the- What's your last name? Girl power. Uh, I wouldn't have a clue. Mm, yeah, you okay. haven't used it in so long. I even I wonder if I exist anymore. Uh, yes, my feminism is my feminism my is working. working. My feminism is it's it's having a good uh, effect. But I I mean I think also it's important to kind of point out here that we like we've established that the Greens' internal culture there is is, yeah. is seems to be pretty fucked, and it's hard not to see that as a potential major problem. It's not. It's not Little. news. Uh, no, so. You know, look, there's different there's different cultures at different branches. Hopefully, they're able to pull their fucking finger out and get behind a badass candidate. Yeah. That would be great. Lots of people attribute Alex Batal's loss to Jed Carney, you know, in, in 2018 to the, the infighting within the Greens. So, right. you know, there's okay. a lot at stake here if they can't get their fucking shit together. Yeah. So anyway, overall, it seems to me like Celeste getting elected in in Cooper is going to be a huge fucking challenge because that's a significant margin now that 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 is there. You know? Yeah, it's not the three point something it was when it was Alex Batal. Yeah, big margin to make up, but it is definitely doable. And Labor has been pretty fucking disappointing in the past what two years? Is that <laughs> it's, the it's last? True. Was that was it two thousand nineteen? Yeah, twenty nineteen, the yeah. last election. Yeah. Uh so I mean that's not going to help. No. Uh and you know on top of that, I've uh, there's huge excitement already around her candidacy. I've seen people like sign up for the Greens like at a drop of a hat. They're, like they they saw her election announcement and was like, I'm oh, a member now. They stand. People like yeah, <laughs> people signing up to volunteer and stuff. So it looks like there's gonna be a really strong grassroots community effort behind it's her. It's a very good get for them. It, it's a really, really good get. And so, you know, as I say, I have my reservations about electoral pol- politics in general. But Celeste is absolutely the kind of person that we need more of, but specifically is exactly the kind of person the Greens need more of. Yeah. She has a proven radical track record on social issues, and she's not a fucking lawyer. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Jesus. like, she's outspoken and, and like, she's, an, she's a no-bullshit kind of personality as yeah. well. She doesn't have this extremely, like, confected, fake, hyper, like, controlled style of political communication. Like, if you read her writing, she's passionate and she's yeah, outspoken. sort of a nuance, like... And, yeah, so, look, to sum up, this is a fucking positivity corner. It's not yeah. often that uh, we get to feel excited about a political candidate and... Also love how how early Labour is worried about it. Yeah. Like <laughs> That's a really good sign. Yeah, That's a really I good like, sign. not only people signing up to the Greens, but, like, You've stolen it from us. Like, I don't think you've realized that it hasn't happened yet. You're like, this is a done deal. Yeah. So, like. I probably, I mean, you, you're also kind of reminding me that the other thing to point out potentially is that, like, the labor branch in that area also has, as all labor branches do, but this one in particular has history of doing some really, really dirty fucking politics. Yeah. So, I, it's not, it won't surprise me at all to see a filthy campaign mounted against her with all sorts of like digging up because she's got a wealth of like online commentary that people are going to be able to dig through and be like, she's anti government, she's too radical, all this type of bullshit. So, what, <laughs> can you do that voice again? And I say think that's, that it was, was a one time deal. Damn it. Sorry. It was um, really you'll have to listen to back to the person, show. Guys. Um, okay. Positivity corner done. I think now it's time to move on. 
If you want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. If it's not technically podcasting, you still gotta do that shit. <laughs> Playing that for Cam Wilson last week was so fucking embarrassing. <laughs> Hello, professional journalist. Would you yeah. like to come on my show? Yeah. <laughs> um, that was nice. Look, that was interesting, George Christensen bit that he did. Uh, yeah, I thought so too. It was, was really great. nice to have him on. Yeah. Thanks, Cam, if you're listening. Um, you were great. Thanks for not uh, at least openly laughing at our cheesy stings. I uh, thought it was very impressive. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's, it's the business section. Uh, this is where we say, please, follow us. On Twitter, follow us on Instagram, like our page on Facebook. It's all Ozpol SnackPod. Join up with the Ozpol Shitposting Facebook group. Answer the questions or we can't let you in. I'm sorry. That's just the rules. Uh, if you really like what we do, you can uh, sign up on our Patreon for $1 a month. As little as $1 a month. Gets you a monthly bonus episode. Gets you access to our Discord. Higher tiers get you different stuff. We have a lovely community over in the Discord. Um, so if, if you're keen on the show please head over there uh, to patreon.com slash ozpolsnackpod and, uh, and sign up and help us out. We'd really appreciate it. And the other thing you can do if you are not inclined or not able to support us financially, but you still want to show us some love, please go and leave us a review. Uh, the best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts. And as I've mentioned on the show previously, we had kind of a review drought for a while. Yeah. And then uh, we made that extremely silly little sting and we've had it is very silly it's very silly and we've had five reviews come in in the last two weeks um wow which uh yeah i thought maybe i could get your help marketing king reading them out hey look (laughs) you can't fucking argue with the results Mm -hmm. and here they are you can all right uh, okay uh so this review is from kg0991 they say great podcast five stars really good podcast on australian politics and the contemporary landscape Great to listen to and then pretend you know what's going on in current affairs. Oh, my God. That's exactly what we aim for. They get me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, th- that's what it's, – it's from someone that is T-H-S-E-Y-G, which I think you'll all agree is uh, not something that you pronounce altogether. Yes. Uh, five stars. Come for the politics. Stay for the pop date. Love the podcast. Really enjoyed the potluck. From Ep96, explaining ADHD. Oh, Shout I out, sh- Fury. I should listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great potluck. I've recently gotten a Labski pup- puppy. Is is that like a Labrador cross husky? I guess so, yeah. Mm. Sounds cute. Unless it's a new breed I've never heard of. So tell me about it. Um, so I hang out for the pup date each week. You introduce me to Not Good Enough, which is now my other favorite podcast. Cute. Keep up the great work. Yeah, that's really nice to hear that um, yeah. they've found another lefty Aussie podcast through us as well. Shout out to the Not Good Enough crew. Uh, here's, another re- here's a review from Mr. Wonton titled, I am leaving a, a review, five stars. And the text is, I am leaving a review. Thank you, uh, Mr. Wonton. Mr. Wonton took my direct advice, which was to leave us a review, even if you had nothing to say beyond I am leaving a review. Um, thank you very much. Should I read the next one? Yeah. Uh, the best on offer in Australian lefty podcasts, five stars. I have so much love for SnackPod and it's absolutely scathing yet wholesome political content. Keep it up from West Hon. Western. Western. Yeah. There's a H after that. I'm going with Western. Western with a H. Thank you very much, Western. And last one here, five stars from Sam, several numbers and figures in a row. 
greatest Ozpol themed snack pot of all time. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Entertaining, well researched, and presented by two of Australia's most passionate, foremost political nobodies, usually. Mm. Funny, respectful, and way more eloquent than this review. Tasty political degustations delivered weekly direct to your ear mouths. Keep up the excellent work, Noon and Zach. Choc Tops Crunch Crunch. I like that, um, Choc Tops I, instead of. I, I was going to say, this is a very uh, eloquent review. Give it is. yourself some credit, um, Sam. Sam. <laughs> uh, where is this one from? Because this is not from Apple Podcasts. This is from somewhere no, else. No, it is. I just had to go and oh. screen cap it. So when people leave stuff that's not on Apple Podcasts, can you see it? Or no. should they screen cap it and uh, DM it to you? Yeah, that's what they should do. Thank you, Holly. That's great advice. I am um, also a marketing king. Yes. Uh, great. That's enough of the business section. Do I have any business? Do you Are have you any business? Ask me? Do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, I have a podcast called Every Second Weekend. I recorded it with my dad. Uh, we read an Agatha Christie book illegally, so it's really punk. <laughs> Just like the Australian government. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. Um, I'm a graphic designer. If you want to give me a job, give me a job. Um, and you should listen to my boyfriend's podcast, Ozpol Snack Pod. It's really good. Oh, thanks, Bob. I'm a big fan. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, no worries. I hope it wasn't uh, too annoying that people can uh, handle vocal fry. I know it's usually a bit of a I'm sh- boys' I, crew in here. We are, I, I mean, I definitely have vocal fry too. So don't even sweat it. It's yeah. just that it's not a problem when I do it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I see. Yeah. Oh, here. everyone can get fucked then. Yeah. Now it's time for a uh, so what's been happening with your dog this week? Uh, I think that you mean your dog. <laughs> your dog is a fucking asshole. <laughs> Our dog is uh, literally the hottest dog in town, but he's also an absolute nightmare. Mm. I took him for one of the most traumatizing walks that I've ever taken him on yesterday. And there have been some doozies. Mm-hmm. Like he has nearly gotten us killed several times. And mm-hmm. yesterday, several times on the one walk, uh, he bit me he <laughs> barked at good. lots of stuff i cried a lot of times it was unpleasant uh i came home and told zach we need to do something maybe we can get him a little vest that says like hey i'm an aggressive dog back off and uh zach was like that's a good idea and started looking into it what i immediately did instead of that was go to northland and buy me and my dog matching bandanas <laughs> um <laughs> so if you see us around town Know that matching bandanas means that we're really tough. Really tough and stay away. And re- we're like a cool gang uh, that is tough and you should back off. Yeah, that's why other gangs wear bandanas too. To yeah, you know bright that. blue bandanas. So we are all friends, but we're not your friend. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that will do the same thing as one of those little jackets that says, be careful, this is an aggressive dog. I think it will be ex- exactly as effective. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for that pup date, Bob. No worries, babe. And thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I hope it was okay. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to do to jump in last minute to a current affairs podcast, like, as a surprise. No. So I think you did a great job Aww. coming in cold. You're so supportive. Thanks, honey. So are you. Ah. Uh, cool. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. Um, hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and uh, Noon and I will hopefully be back next week all things uh, going well in the meantime uh, stay safe and uh keep on snacking in the free world crunch crunch